I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, October 3rd for a fantastic Lord Day. we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. This is quite likely not going to be a very long show, especially if Joe doesn't show up. Then we're, we're done in like 20 minutes, dude. <laughs> he doesn't show up, we're good to go. <laughs> we got time for a beer tonight. Um, so as always, we've got Vince here. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, pretty good, man. All right, let's just dive into some of the news that we got this week because there was a couple of small items before we get into the bigger stuff. Um, some of them is just a couple of the older releases that are now being put back out onto, uh, well, in the case of Psychonauts, we got it coming on Steam as well as Mac as well as iOS, which I would love to see that on a freaking iPad. And uh, Chrono Trigger as well is coming out on PSN. Now, you know what? Psychonauts was a game that my youngest played and freaking loved and i watched him play quite a bit but it, it was always one of those games that i told myself i'm going to play this but i never did was it something you ever played oh yeah back on the original xbox loved it yeah see i've always i've always been a huge fan of double fine games though yeah i it's again it's one of those i'm dying to play this freaking game and it's just it doesn't take long before something else comes out. Oh, look, another shiny, you know, and you got something else to play, another freaking Mass Effect. And so it always cut kind of tossed aside, but um, I don't know, like it's, Joe's the one that put this in. I assume it's Joe, it's not you that put this in, right? Yeah. No. And, it, but the iOS, I, I didn't hear, I hadn't heard that it was coming on iOS. I'm going to have to check. It, the game itself isn't coming to iOS. The iOS app is kind of a companion to the game. Oh, uh, Throughout the game, you can find these little hidden memory vaults, and when you open them up, you actually get glimpses of memories of the other characters in the game. And what the iOS app is, is you can view those memories you know, off through the app, and Tim Schafer, the creator of the game, actually gives commentary on them. So it's not the game itself, Aww. but it's a companion to the game. Damn it. All right. I want the freaking games on the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I That's, want them all on the iPad. I, I don't know about a 3D platformer on the iPad. You're missing a couple uh, analog sticks there. Too bad. They can make it work. They can definitely make it work. We've seen some pretty awesome freaking stuff that's been converted to work on the iPad. Again, more people are getting the tablet devices that they're going to have to start thinking more in terms of converting and changing games up so that they do work on on tablet devices. But uh, but anyways, so maybe I'll just pick it up for Mac instead then. And then Corona Trigger is coming out on PSN. Yet another one that I actually didn't play that sucker. <gasps> I know, I know. Actually, you know what, dude? I think didn't that sucker come out on DS a few years back? I don't recall. I know they did a PlayStation version of it, and I think it was Final Fantasy Origins. I, I think they did a handheld version of it, but I can't remember I on what system. Thought so because I thought I had picked it up on 
the DS. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But again, it's yet another one on my long list of I'm ashamed to say I never played this game. Obviously, you have. Yes, I have played the game. <laughs> I, I missed it first time around because I had the Genesis, not the Super Nintendo. But in my more mature years, it's one of those games I definitely went back to play. Cool. Well, I, it is. I probably will uh, pick it up and uh, and play it again. I if yeah, it is on the DS. Yeah, it came out. I, hell, dude, I, I may have it. <laughs> <laughs> My wall of shame, games that I've bought and never finished, or hell, some of them are still in their shrink wrap, for Christ's sake. Every every gamer has that oh, nice little man. collection. It's embarrassing. Seriously, because I look at some of these and I think, these are friggin' awesome games. Why am I not playing them? And uh, and yeah, no. But, uh, but anyways, so that... Uh, there's a couple of games there. The uh, We also found out a little bit more news about the PS Vita because it is, again, we're getting close to crunch time for when it's going to be released in the uh, in Japan and still no word yet on when exactly the rest of the world. Did they actually announce when in the spring it's coming out? I haven't heard anything. I, I wasn't certain. They did say that the... Uh, Right now, as it stands, they're saying that they're going to be limiting the downloads to 20 megabytes over 3G at launch. I guess they're kind of expecting that most people are going to be buying the games through digital means versus actually buying the game. And judging from, again, Square Enix announced their their price points as well, that they're planning for their games. And what they're saying is, and the conversion for from yen to US dollars, you're looking at um, retail copy 64 bucks versus digital copy downloadable copy for 51. Now they're saying that falls in line with their price point that they had for PSP games, which was 4,800 yen. But still, see, I still think that's kind of high. But we always see it kind of go down a little bit once it hits the Western market. That's that's still kind of high. But still, I mean, if you're looking at a price difference of 13 bucks, screw that shit. I'll download it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's that's one of the reasons why a lot of these Japanese games that aren't going to be guaranteed hits haven't been coming over just because of the conversion rate. They know they can't sell that game for 60 bucks. So they essentially have to sell the game at a lower price point for the Japanese developers. I mean, if they're selling it for 40 bucks here, that's a significant cut into their profits. But yeah, it's it's in line with the industry. So it's, at least they're not jacking up the prices like when the 360 came out. Yeah, but again, is it worth as much as a console game? It is still a portable. Well, it's not as it's too, game. Well, it's, it's not twenty really... bucks off. What's that? It's twenty dollars less if it's going to be around forty bucks. What are you talking about? Forty bucks? If it's remember, no, no, no. Yeah, but they remember what? What were you going to say? Okay, they're saying that in Japan currently a PSP title goes for around sixty dollars. That's not what it sells for in America. It's not a straight conversion from yen to dollars. No, that's they what I was saying. Sell it, they actually sell it at a lower price point in North America. Yes. However, that being said, it's not as big a difference with the Canadian conversion. Because despite the fact that our dollar is at times worth more than yours, we still our games are still more expensive than yours. So the conversion rate is actually not that big a difference between theirs and ours. And? 
my point is, is that's a hell of a lot of... <laughs> Man. I'm sorry, I don't live in Canada. <laughs> my point is that that is still a lot for when you're looking at a, uh, again, what is supposed to be a portable, battery be damned, it's supposed to be portable. So if it's supposed to be portable, then we need to, the prices should reflect that. I mean, the the... 3DS games, again, say what you will about those, the 3DS games still are not selling for that price point. I, I don't. All I know is that the, the, the 3DS games here are going for about 40 bucks, and the PSP games here are going for about 40 bucks. So. Well, we'll have to wait until it actually comes out here so that we can decide. Okay, let's I move on. I won't make fun of your dollars again. <laughs> Our dollar's worth more than yours, so shut up, buddy. <laughs> My dollar could beat up your dollar. All right, let's move on to some Deus Ex Human Revolution DLC news, because we got a little bit of news of this, and it shows that, you know, they're not above failing on this like everybody else is joe you were the one that found this yeah so apparently um if you want to have a silenced sniper rifle in the game you're going to have to shell out two dollars <laughs> or hack the game files one or the other i don't know which one you guys prefer but two dollars seems pretty steep for something that should have in my opinion been in the game from the beginning there's also going to be there's also a quest pack for $2.99 uh, where it's another set of quests to help flesh out some more of the story. To be perfectly honest, well, these things don't seem like items that should really be charged money for. And that's really part of the problem for me. It's $1.99 for a sniper rifle, $2.99 for kind of quests. That's not DLC. That's microtransactions. How long, Just going to throw that out there. How long are the... Uh, do they figure the quests are going to take you to, to finish? Half hour, hour. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. It's the sniper rifle that really bugs me because I, I, I know you were trying for the non-lethal thing, Joe, but when I was playing through the game, I didn't give a crap. Like, I'll try, but, you know, people are going to die. Fuck it. So, you know, I had my tranquilizer rifle and switched over to the crossbow, found the sniper rifle. It was like fucking awesome. Got back to town, bought a suppressor for it. What the fuck? <laughs> Still like how could, yeah. How how could they have a sniper how rifle? How is this a sniper game? rifle? Yeah. The, the thing's an elephant call. <laughs> and now to find out that they're charging money for it. I will freely admit that as a result of this, as much as I would love to support the company and I love giving them money for a complete game, keeping this in mind, folks, a complete game, I just installed the mod hack to actually just you know, have certain items available because I refuse to pay $2 for a silent sniper rifle. And it's on their forums, by the way, actually how to do this. Eidos' forums. So they haven't ripped it down at all. So what the this. hell? This is for people who don't want to hack an any file? Basically. Or who aren't on PC. Or who aren't oh, true. on PC. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're stuck with that. If you're playing on a console, you're buying this. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, you playing an Xbox? I, I can live with the crossbow. I'll be good. Well, this is no worse than Bioware selling their freaking goggles and shit when they did the same thing for for Mass Effect. It's it's the exact same thing. The goggles, the visor. Yeah. So I just had friends drink Dr Pepper. That was good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving Give away. Give me your bottle caps. <laughs> what is this Fallout? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, we also found out about some Portal 2, the long-awaited DLC is finally coming for this, and actually it should be dropping uh, the same time as this podcast tomorrow. So this is going to be interesting. This is actually co-op. Did either of you actually find out how long a co-op, how many levels this is? They say a test track, so I'm assuming it's going to be about 10 or so rooms. Right. That's awesome. Because I actually played the the crap out of it with my son, and we did the uh, we, obviously we did the co op, and so more shit like that. I I'm all for it. That's gonna be awesome. Good, because my co op partner traded in his fucking game, so I need to find somebody else to run through the DLC with. Yeah, but are you <laughs> playing on a console or are you playing on Steam? Well, I was playing on PS3, so I can just download it yeah. on PC for free. What? Yep. Okay, sorry. It's worth it. It's yeah. absolutely worth it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And it's having free. Yeah, that's a, it's 10 extra rooms of free stuff. I can deal with that. Yeah, yeah, very much looking forward to it. As soon as we play, guys, we'll let you know what it's uh, what it's like because it is dropping tomorrow. I'll be definitely downloading tomorrow, both my son and I, and uh, and giving it a whirl. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Okay, let's move on to Assassin's Creed because we got a little bit more information about that as well. Vince, I'll let you take this. Okay, so as we know, Assassin's Creed is one of, if not my absolute favorite franchise of this current generation. Uh, We had Assassin's Creed 2 come out two years ago, followed immediately by Assassin's Creed Brotherhood last year. And as we all know, Assassin's Creed Revelations this year. And while normally that would be a bad thing, they've delivered quality games every year. So if I'm getting $60 worth of game, they're getting my $60. As I mentioned before, I need to set up some sort of Ubisoft subscription plan just to save myself the trouble of having to buy them every year. So uh, with this year's Revelations game, uh, we are told that we're going to reach the conclusion of Ezio as well as Altair's character paths. And that's perfectly fine, but that still leaves Desmond hanging out there. Well, that's what next year's game is going to be about. The 2012 iteration of Assassin's Creed, as yet with no official name, is really going to focus on Desmond and the whole prophecy of the year 2012. It's been an overarching storyline throughout all the games of having to gather the artifacts and all the insanity going on with alien technology and sheer absurdity but it's been absolutely awesome and finally that's all going to come to a head next year and i like the way ubisoft phrased it they're like well from the beginning we had the storyline about the year 2012 we obviously had to have the game come out before (laughs) the end of 2012 and then as the as they go on to say uh, after the next game they're kind of going to scale back a bit on the development process then again, they said that a couple games ago, but that's that's completely different. And with so basically, they're licensed to print money. That machine that they have in the basement, they're just gonna you know give it a break every couple of hours. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have to give it that couple hour break, or the monkeys that they have lashed to the typewriters, they have to actually feed them or change their diapers. I mean, you know. So assuming we're all around in 2013, um, we're probably not going to get an Assassin's Creed game that year. It, really? You want to wager? I would wager that they will because the way they were talking Vita. to was that they were saying, oh, yeah, dude, that's going to happen for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but the way a that they're Assassin's Creed, game. it's just going to be a different one. What they were saying as well is that basically they're not giving up on the Assassin's Creed IP and that it's just going to be that this storyline is going to be done because they they were saying, too, they can't have the storyline going past the time that it's you know going to catch up with kind of thing. It wouldn't make sense. So it's just going to be put in figure something else and start from scratch with another one is what I'm betting you they're going to do. So I'm betting you 2013 will see an Assassin's Creed game just it's going to be completely different and completely new. 
whatever Assassin's I'll buy Creed, it anyway. The days of our lives. Because <laughs> I mean, what we saw in the comic with the the Russian Revolution, as well as you know some other things that they've hinted at, I, there's definitely a lot of room out there for some amazing games, and I'll gladly play them if they're as good as the previous ones. Well, when you have a game that's based on events in history, exactly. <laughs> such a long long track to go back to and say yeah we're gonna do this or we're gonna do this Bolsheviks, yeah let's throw those in there y- they have a ton of opportunity to expand their world in a lot of different directions so yeah it, it may not be the core assassin's creed game that we're used to and that one story may be done but i it damn well isn't done yet there's going to be other aspects of it oh yeah yeah no i and it's like you're saying, too, that you can go back in history at any point, but more so than that, they can also just make up something at some point in history. And as long as the settings are accurate, the the people and whatever can be fictional and it can still make for a fantastic game. Why is that funny? Why, what do you laugh Assassins. I, I just came up with the concept of Assassin's Creed Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that can make Aquaman cool. <laughs> If he was secretly, we'll get into that later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, because it was not cool. Anyways, (laughs) let's move away from there and talk about some Batman Arkham City because that, folks, is coming up goddamn soon, and that is like, oh, dude, I can't wait. That's what the 18th, I believe, right? 18th of October. Is that what it is? Yes, I believe. Yeah, two weeks. Yes, because I have my see. I got my receipt. Does, <laughs> does not give me a, a lot of time to go through Rage. Yeah, really. So, yeah, I can't. Oh, dude, I can't wait. I It's pre-ordered, ready to go. And uh, and then once I'm done that, then Skyrim. But anyways, we got some more information about um, Arkham City. Now, some of this is spoiler, probably. So if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead now. And then I'll put a okay, skip later. skipping. Now. Yeah, I don't want to hear the spoil. I, I is, but I can't very well go la 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 while Joe talks. <laughs> I can, and you can't edit it. Yeah. All right, Joe, go ahead. Well, the first thing that was uh, presented to us was actually a series of screenshots, and I thought that was really cool because you actually get to see more of Batman in the world, not so much the up close and personal him bashing the hell out of bad guys. Although it does open up with a nice shot of him giving a shiner to some thug. Um, but you get to see more of the the actual feel of Arkham City. So you see in one image Batman's looking towards the camera and you have Gotham City in the background all lit up. And then like this visible wall where like Arkham City like starts where you have the spotlights and like just this absolutely decrepit buildings and it's absolutely phenomenal or the scene with the fun house and that same contrast. I want to go to the circus. <laughs> I want to go to the circus. Um <laughs> And, and it's just it's really nifty to see how much detail is put in, not just to the characters, but to the background themselves. And while Arkham Asylum was very much a, a work of detail, there were some criticisms about it where they, you know, certain things were failing or certain things were like, you know, not put together properly or jarringly. And here I don't we're not seeing too much of that. And you were able to see it in the beginning with a lot of the screenshots they presented. So I'm really excited just for the visuals of the game. Uh, if nothing else, if it wasn't a Batman game, it was like insert random other person here. It would still be a gorgeous setting. Oh God. Yeah. What's cool is that I'm looking at this in, in much the same way that I loved flying around Gotham in DC universe online. 
because say what you will about that game and whatnot. I mean, when you're flying around freaking Gotham, it oh, is yeah. hella cool. It's amazing. It's just the scope of it is massive. And what I liked is that you started getting used to the map of where things are and which gave you a feeling of familiarity with the city. And I mean, again, like I said before, Gotham, Metropolis, these are iconic places in the DC canon. So it means something. So it's going to be the same thing here where you're going to be able to get used to where things are. Like one of the pictures shows Ace. Um, where are we looking at here? I'll find it. The the Ace Company. And so Ace Chemicals. And it's like, again, in DC Universe Online, you know where that is. And there's an instance that you can do there as well. So you get used to bouncing all over. So that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to. And, and this freaking <laughs> circus stuff is going to be hella cool too. Well, but, just going through the world. But that wasn't all we got. We also got some spoilers no that um, was all we got <laughs> <laughs> until the 19th <laughs> sorry sorry Vince. um it was actually kind of cool to see people are able to actually get hands-on um and what they were doing is they're actually being able to take over where the hands-on from pax actually left off so it was batman had just saved catwoman from two-face and had tracked the Joker to the top of a clock tower, only to discover that the room had been empty. Except for Joker left some explosives behind, as he's wont to do. Um, it's really interesting to see, because it's it's basically all they're releasing, as far as the previews up to this point, have played out like comic serials almost. And that's a really nice touch, and it's something I didn't notice before. All the hands-on previews are almost like episodic content inside of themselves. So everybody's gotten to play like a different episode and all strings together into a very cohesive story, which tells us a little bit about how all the missions and the world is put together, where everything is sort of it's almost its own self-contained sort of mission lines, and they all work together into like a greater story. So it's nice to see that. Now... One of the cool things about the game is there is no mini map. So there are there is no mini map in the entire city. You want to find something? Congratulations. You're going to be searching for it. You're going to have to bring up the big map. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to do what Batman would do. And it's not you're not going to have a mini map at your disposal. So it's kind of cool. You're going to have to make landmarks and things like that to work work your way around it. So I thought that was a really nice touch and something that they hadn't really mentioned before. Um, now we're also going to talk about a little bit about detective mode. Now remember detective mode has evolved in this game, right? They're endeavoring to move people out of detective mode, right? They're trying to make it so that it's there, but doesn't absolutely overwhelm the entire game. It's useful, but not entirely necessary. You're interrogating somebody. You can pop it on. You can see whether or not they're lying. You want to, you got a group of, uh, you know, thugs around. You can pop it on. You can see which one is the, the Gotham police plant. You know, who's there undercover or whatever the case is. So there's like there's different touches to it, but they make it so that it doesn't actually break the game like it did before. Because in the first game, you can go through the entire thing with nothing but detective mode on and you didn't miss a, a, a darn thing. Well, the thing, so, too, is that they made it more powerful. They made it more powerful. And on top of that, they made it freaking awesome. It looked it, visually stunning. It it, it gave you, it, it was a whole different feel to a game, too. And... I, like many people, preferred playing with it, not because it, it it broke the game, because it didn't, but it did certainly make it easier, but also just because it looks so freaking awesome. And I know that they spent a lot of time with the freaking shading and the colors and everything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, guys, you didn't really have to. All you had to do was put this in the game. 
But if you look at some of the screenshots now of detective mode, uh, you can actually see the outline of the people, but the outline of the people is actually there on the background too. So the entire, the entire world is not muted out completely by the detective mode now, which is a really nice touch. You can also miss things in detective mode, which I thought was kind of interesting too, because even though they've made it so that it has more options, keyword there is options, uh, it's not going to be the main focal point of the game. You're still going to be Batman, and it is a tool to use, not a crutch. And see, that's the only way that I can that they can get it so that people use regular vision as well as detective mode is by making it so that you're getting bonuses by using one versus the other for both of them, not just detective mode, so that you are seeing things through regular vision that you wouldn't otherwise see. That's I think that's the only way that you can make it so that people won't do the same thing with uh, with City as they did with Asylum. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it, and I think it was a very well, overall, it was just a beautiful touch, and I the game looks even more amazing uh, with that little sort of flavor in it. Now, we're going to get to the spoiler part of here. Now, remember, we were talking about the, that first mission, right? The saving of Catwoman, that first run in, and, you know, going on. Well, now you're going after the Joker, right? And he happens to be actually one of your first fights in the game, one of your first major boss conflicts, and you... Basically, it's the it's the standard boss fight where you're going on, but the combat is a lot more involved than the last fight of Arkham Arkham Asylum, because let's face it, the last fight of Arkham Asylum was kind of dumb. This a lot more involved. Why? Joker's not hulked up on Venom uh, on the Bane juice. He's his normal Joker self. So he's wily. He's jumping all over the place. He's the damn Joker and facing the goddamn Batman. Now, in the middle of combat, you have a ton of options by just punching them. There's dodges, kicks. You can use your batterings and combination units. There are different ways to actually trigger various combos. And I think that was kind of cool, too, because the combo system in the original game was a little weak. Let's be honest, right? This, not so much. You have so many options in combat, so many things you can do. And it's just absolutely Stupendous. You have freeze grenades. You can actually bust out uh, batarangs in one, two, three uh, bursts in the middle of combat in different directions. You have you are Batman in combat. And the first game was damn close to being Batman in combat. This one, they've said that they've perfected it. And that that's a big thing to say. But it sounds like they might have gotten pretty damn close, if not nailed it on that. Well, that's something that we saw with some of the other videos as well. When they're all along, as they've been showing the combat, they have been saying the combat is much more fluid in this one. It is much better, and you can see it. You can definitely see it because you can get away with a little too much combat-wise in um, Asylum, where you probably shouldn't be able to. And so, I think that this will hopefully it'll still be cool, but require a little bit more skill and give you different options while you're in in, in while you're fighting, like especially fighting groups of mobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that, get rid of that whole everybody stands around and waits their turn mechanic. Yeah, yeah and apparently one. that's and apparently that's gone. The AI now has proper mob mentality. So we are very likely to get our asses kicked for the first, you know, few times we're playing, you know, getting used to the new controls in combat. Well, that's the thing, too. And especially because, again, in Asylum, how they let you jump around so high as well and far, you could be jumping, keep your mobs away from each other because of the amount of time they spent 
slowly coming towards you and you just had to bounce in a triangle or whatever between them and they never really got that close to you all at the same time and you could take them down quite easily so again a lot of the things that we've been seeing now is that's going to be gone and and i really really hope that it will be and i i hope again that the the options are going to be there to to make it so that you can not not that you're forced to use other things like your stuns and different things but rather that it's it's going to be more beneficial to you so because again you could just go through a fight in asylum and just basically lay a freaking hurting on them just by punching and kicking and stuff and not do anything else so i'd like to see a little bit more variety for sure and i think we're going to get that also the ai has been improved remember in arkham uh, asylum where you could like go from perch to perch to perch very quickly and just everybody yeah. would lose track of you mm-hmm. Not so much anymore. They'll actually start, apparently, and I, I was reading through a couple different sources, they'll actually start knocking down perches. <laughs> uh, so okay. the villains have learned, probably from fear of Two-Face and the Penguin and Joker wanting to eat their souls, but they've learned. So there's there's going to be that sort of level of interaction, which I think is really nice. Now for the biggest spoiler of all. At the end of the giant confrontation, it's basically... Spoiler with, alert, people! Spoiler alert! <laughs> it starts with the fight with it starts with the fight with Mr. Hammer, our giant clown friend with the giant two-handed hammer of death. After you're done clearing him out and the entire room, it's basically Batman the Last Man Standing and getting about to face the Joker. But instead of facing the Joker, he's dead in a chair. So you actually don't fight him right away. You get that little sort of confrontation, then Mr. Hammer clearing the room. And then a dead Joker. And there's an interaction between Harley Quinn and Batman that I'm going to kind of read off. Um, And it's, you know, he goes into the room and he hears the flatlining EKG mixed with Harley crying. And she just goes, you. He goes, get out of my way, Quinn. And she goes, leave us alone, B-Man. Just leave me with him. So Batman, in typical Batman fashion, I said move and pushes her out of the way. So she wails. This is all your fault. Hounding him for years, and you beat him to a pulp, and for what? What are you? Why? Why are you so mean? <laughs> and it cuts to a, a camera close-in of the Joker's limp body lolling back in a life support chair, as the screen beside him shows a flatline in one word: deceased. And that's where the episode or the demo content that they've said has ended. Now it is comic book, folks. So comic book villains have a nasty tendency of dying. And not actually dying, so we'll or see having if they... their faces cut off. Or having their faces Dude. cut off. <laughs> <laughs> and nailed to we'll get... a concrete wall. <laughs> and nailed to a concrete wall because that's apparently what you do. Well, it's um, got to go somewhere. You don't want to get yeah. dirt on it. Well, I mean, I hear John Travolta buys them at discount, so I mean, that he might have been able to make a sale there. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting touch because it, it hits on sort of all the classic Joker Batman moments in that sort of exchange with Harley Quinn and her like involvement in it. And it's nice to see. And it frames it so much like a comic book, so much like a cartoon episode that it's, I I need to know what happens next. I need to get this game and I need to find every little bit of story that this thing has to offer and like ring it into a little cup and drink from it because it's that (laughs) awesome. 
Okay, let's move on to some other news. Everybody, let Hoogs know in the audience that we're done talking about Batman so he can turn the volume up. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about some Bioware stuff right now. It was funny because there's been a couple of interviews lately with the good doctors from Bioware, and they've talked about various things from Star Wars to their involvement with EA and stuff like that. It's been interesting. But one of the things that people really latched onto was when they were talking and saying that they have not ruled out a Mass Effect MMO. Right now, they're putting all their attention on the Old Republic, of course, as well as Mass Effect 3. However, they haven't ruled out the possibility of Mass Effect MMO in the future. Now, I would assume that, again, if the Old Republic does very well, which one would assume that it would, what do you think would it happen with a Mass Effect MMO when you're looking at such a large percentage of the popul- gaming population is going to be playing, if they're playing a space one, are already going to be playing the Old Republic? How well do you think a Mass Effect MMO would actually do, Vince? I guess we'll find out in six years if it ever comes out. That's all you got? No speculation, <laughs> no nothing? No, I mean, it's... I think it's going to... If they do make a Mass Effect MMO, I think they're going to have to kind of consoleize it a bit just because the series has so much of a following Agreed. on the consoles. They can't yeah. do a traditional MMO like the Old Republic. They're really going to have to kind of reinvent the concept to make it feasible on you know, whatever version of the Xbox is out at the time. I agree, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to be uh, sort of contingent upon whether or not it's going to be a success. Because while there are a ton of PC users, Vince is absolutely right. The number of console players for Mass Effect and the fans of it is absolutely insane between Xbox and, and any other iteration that might come out in the future. You know, it's they're going to have to look at it in a way where it's like, what can we change about it? What can we make it so that it's an MMO for both PC gamers and console gamers? And as we've seen in the past, it doesn't always work out so well. When you try to consoleize an MMO, there's a lot of things that people like and a lot of things people don't like. So far, DC Universe, I think, has come the closest to actually hitting it right. But even that had a ton of flaws with it. So Bioware, it's a big, big mountain to try to climb. I think that they can do it maybe. But it's going to depend on on what the demand is at that exact time when it wants to be released. Well, see, that's the thing too. Like, like Vince is joking around, but it's true. Like, we just have to look at how long they've been working on the Old Republic to to be able to see that if this were something that they were going to do, we're talking. Uh, quite a few years down the line here. And if that is the case, then we're looking at new consoles as well. Like it's all well and good for, for the big boys to say there's no consoles coming out for a while. But I mean, again, there's, there's bound to be new consoles in the next few years. Oh yeah. We're at that, we're at that edge, right? We're at that point where the technology, like the, the Xbox is 360 is what, six years old now, I think. Approximately. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're getting at that, that, we're coming on a decade, and that's way too long for them not to be plotting the next generation, if you know what I mean. So it's it's going to come pretty soon, so it's going to be a factor. Well, this we're hearing about that, too, from uh, they were talking about uh, Beyond Good and Evil, too, and they were saying how they need a next-gen console because the current ones aren't powerful enough to do what they want to do with the next uh, iteration of this game. Yeah, uh, we got this great interview from uh, Michelle Ansel, the creator of Rayman and uh, Beyond Good and Evil, and really read the interview. It's a fantastic interview, and you really just, it's a great look into the minds of somebody who just gets the industry, talking about how, you know, the things he can do in a 2D game that other 
designers can't do in a 3D game. But what really stood out there is when he's talking about Beyond Good and Evil. And I loved the first one uh, when it came out on the previous console generation. And you hear him talking about the scope and what he wanted to do with the game. And basically, you know, he sent the design document off to Sony. They laughed at it and sent it back to him because it was just not possible on the hardware for the time. So as grand and epic as Beyond Good and Evil was, knowing that it could have been a factor more than that is just amazing. And that's what he wants to do for Beyond Good and Evil 2. It's out there. It's in concept. The only reason we haven't seen it yet is the current console hardware cannot support his vision. I love how he said that Mass Effect was a good start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It, it, It just makes you wonder, and it makes you salivate for it, doesn't it, just a little bit? I've been salivating ever since they released that 30-second trailer four years ago. <laughs> okay, going back to the Old Republic 2, we, uh, I don't, <laughs> Vince, you probably wouldn't have noticed this because you're already in the beta. I don't know. Joe, did you get one of their emails about the... Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the fake email yes. that accidentally got sent off to did you get the one? people that applied? Yes, I did. Dude. And so did Renee. Oh, man. I got it too. And I was my first thought actually was, my God, the hackers are already starting. They're already starting and and trying to get the passwords (laughs) for your account because a lot of people would have pre-ordered and put their pre-order on their account already. I obviously have. So it was like, oh, crap. And so I thought, okay, well, now I'm never going to know if I get into the beta because I'm not going to trust any of these damn things. Then I do a little bit of digging. It's like, no, that's the real thing. And then I was going like, I went nuts going all over the site. And I'm looking, where the hell's the beta information? (laughs) Maybe I missed the email. Maybe my spam filter got it initially. Maybe I'm actually in the beta. And then I got the other one saying, no, sorry. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I thought beta for you. was going to punch through a wall. (laughs) She's like, oh, "Oh my God, oh my God. And I thought she was like in a Wookiee wall or something. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, I was disappointed. And I'm not going to be, you know, a, a whiny little bitch and say, you should give all of us that you sent bad emails to a beta yeah. key because that <laughs> would just be a whiny. Stress, but I got to tell you, it sure would be a nice gesture on your part, BioWare. I think so. <laughs> But what they did release is this friggin' 3D map, which kind of reminds me of of Mass Effect, of course, kind of thing. And uh, I don't have it loaded, and I'm not going to because it'll kill the resources. But it's basically this huge 3D map, and you can view all of the a whole bunch of different worlds and things and get information about what's going on in the world and some videos and this and that. And um, I was going to ask you, Vince, if you could actually confirm whether that's close to what's in the game, but I guess you probably can't. No, you can't. You're not I, going to. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I have seen the real map. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when Let me put it this way. When you saw this map, did you go, hmm, this looks familiar? It was more like a, huh, all right. <laughs> so take that however you want, folks. <laughs> because... Uh, Unless you're in the beta, you won't know. But it is, it's it's interesting. Again, if you are looking to ramp up on your lore knowledge and the knowledge of the different worlds and whatnot, definitely check it out. 
the uh, the link is in the show notes. It, it's a cool map. I mean, it's a 3D thing, and you can check out all the planets and whatnot. It gives you different information about each planet. And judging by what we've been told, again, you're going to be able to do quite a bit on said planets. So the more you know about them, the, the better. I mean, I've watched all the movies, but I'm not a freaking reading all the novels lore nerd for, for uh, Star Wars. So I don't know a lot of these planets and things like that. I know the main ones, but that's about it. So actually looking through and reading some of the stuff they had there, I thought, actually, yeah, that's pretty cool. And it will help me when I'm on there, get a feel for, you know, the lay of the land kind of stuff. Okay, we're done with that. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a little bit more news on City of Heroes as well. Vince, go ahead. Okay, so uh, a little while back, City of Heroes announced their latest version uh, titled City of Heroes Freedom, which is essentially taking the game free to play. And while it's something we've obviously seen a lot of in the superhero MMO genre, what separates City of Heroes from Champions Online and DC Universe Online is that, well, it was actually successful as a subscription game. So now that it has gone free to play, it uh, launched last week, there's a lot of content out there uh you get basically seven years worth of issues as they call them the uh the content updates that they've delivered and up to issue 21 and that's a lot of content and they're doing a, a tiered system uh just like what we saw in dc universe online where you have the free players the premium players who is anybody who has ever spent money on the game and then the vip players with the traditional tiers of uh, chat restrictions and character slot restrictions and whatnot one thing I, that kind of has me a little disappointed is that the Going Rogue expansion that came out last year is purchasable even for the premium players. I I don't know how I feel about that. And then the endgame content, the Incarnate, is completely locked out unless you subscribe. You can't you can't even pay for it if you're a, a non-subscription player. I I, th- I think it's uh, it's an interesting change, especially because. It was. It's a game that I was really heavily into for a long time. Um, I was one of the people that pre-ordered. I was one of the closed betas. Um, I was in the middle of the lawsuit that was centered around Marvel suing them. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see that even though it was still successful for them to go free-to-play, so it's kind of... It, it's. I knew it was coming. They announced that it was coming at their last the last press event that they had. Um, and we knew for a while it was coming. We just didn't know when. And it's kind of interesting to see how many more people are are flocking back to the game now that it's free to play. Like I reactivated my account actually um, because I still have like access to all the the sub stuff. Um, so I have like the super ultra premium whatever the top end is because I had the pre order from way back when. And just seeing all the people come back in the game, I've actually saw people that stopped playing years ago pop back onto old tunes, and just to kind of see what's going on. And it's 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 nice to see that the game will still have life, you know, because it was a good game. It was a fantastic game. It was entertaining. Um, it just, it was ahead of its time. Well, I don't see, know it, about it, ahead of its time. It was. It, and I'll say that the graphics at the time were far above any other, anything else out there. It beat Lineage 2 as far as graphics quality. It beat WoW hands down as far as graphics quality. It had a lot of compelling story content. It just didn't have enough of it. They didn't have enough writers to keep it going so that you could actually theoretically beat the game once you beat Hamidian. 
and they weren't able to put the content out quick enough to keep up with it. And it had a comic book that was integrated with the original the original game where you subscribe to the game. Congratulations. Every month, a comic book showed up at your doorstep and you had a chance of appearing in the comic book. So many characters from the game were actually in the comic book. I was in one of the comic books. <laughs> I was in a freaking book. I have my own Hobo? trading card. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it was like because we were we used to I used to run the the big X Men trivia uh, and Marvel trivia event on Freedom Server every Monday night, and it caught a lot of the attention of the the devs, and that was actually kind of what unfortunately triggered part of the lawsuit because it's we were the you. uncanny we were the uncanny X Men, and we showed up in costume. So I mean, it, it, you but were it's Shadow nice. Cap. No, I was actually Cyclops. I was worse. Um, oh. <laughs> How the hell can you pull that off? <laughs> I was the leader of the super group. I had to be the. I had to. I had to have this the the, the costume for Cyclops. It was you know kind of how it went. You're five no, foot one. The only I'm, redeeming thing that game, you could sure. match is you have a unibrow. That's the only Cyclops you could pull off. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but no, it's it's nice to see the game still is going to have life. And that's really important to me because I do still enjoy the game. I still think it's fun. And I like being able to say, hey, it's free to play now. People can actually go back and play. So See, I played City of Villains, not Heroes. And I just was not crazy about it at all. And so that's kind of why I never bothered with Heroes afterwards. Because, I mean, the gameplay would still be the same. So if I don't like one, I'm not likely to like the other one. See that that that's my issue. If it included some of the newer content, like I said, such as going rogue or the new first word, first ward area, which really fundamentally changed the progression system in the game. It was a lot less grinding, a lot yes. less, you know. So the reason I stopped playing City of Heroes is just because I got boring of the because I got boring because I got boring of the quote, quest progression. And I wanted to check out Going Rogue. I just never had the time to get around to it because they had a modern version of the quest progression, you know, a World of Warcraft-style quest progression. And to find out that that's not available without having to pay, it, it it's not going to entice me to get back into the game because that's what I would like to experience, the, the modern system that's not seven years old. Okay, let's move away from there now and touch on some WoW news. I know that we've been touching on a lot of WoW news periodically through the weeks. However, there's been quite a bit going on right now. And again, the way that they're handling the new legendary item, now the dagger, of course, is very, very cool. What I have to Kinda. say about the dagger is a whole different thing. <laughs> but the way that they're handling it with the questing and whatnot is insanely cool and we're hearing more about the questing now because the ptr is up so we're getting more news from people who are actually doing the questing and it is justifiably goddamn cool now we're not going to touch on any of the other stuff that's going on in patch 4.3 because we've covered that and quite frankly again that's conversations for perhaps another show but just in terms of the rogue quest now that's leading you to the fangs of the father I'm going to let Joe take it over because he's done some research on all the questing. And we'll actually discuss what our thoughts on the actual dagger are afterwards. Well, the questing is to test a rogue's metal. Basically, you are called upon uh, to secure a place in the sh by your shadowy means for the new black dragon flight. 
Um, there's going to be a power vacuum soon, and the untouched egg wants the the the, the one that hatched from it would like you to make sure that they have um, all the right connections. This includes making sure that certain things are done to sort of shape that, you know, make sure that that's the way things go. Uh, the first one is called proving your worth. Um, your objective here is to actually pickpocket a skill that I'm sure most rogues have forgot ever existed. Um, a cryptomancer's decoder ring from a twilight sorcerer at the Azure Dragonshine within the Dragon Souls raid encounter. So while you're in the raid zone, <laughs> you actually have to go find one mob and pickpocket and hope to high hell it doesn't turn around. No way, and dude. Back the taste out of your mouth. I'm gonna sap that bitch first. This is gonna be like slap, and then I'm gonna then I'll take your your loot. That's what I do. You know what? I actually still do periodically pickpocket but only because you know i i love getting the goblin gentleman's quarterly or the steamy romance novels and all that shit because i send them to guildies just to like what the hell is this you're creeping me out but it's not for the three silver that you get from a freaking level 85 (laughs) boss you know (laughs) now the second one of the other parts of it it's not necessarily the second part but i think it is uh it's called a hidden message and you take the cryptomancer's decoder ring and you use it to decode Korastraza's Singed Cipher. Um, basically, you have to go to the Vermilion uh, Redout, which is right above the Highlands area. It's where basically the resting area that they retreated to when Halion came and screwed up things. Um, it's basically he's intercepted a coded message of grave importance, um, and your job is to go there um, and to bring it to the Ethereal Thermitage or Thermaturge. Uh, it's, I think it's supposed to be Thaumaturge, but they spelled it really, really weird um, in your main capital city, and they'll tell you how to charge it. So basically, the Ethereals are now involved in your quest, um, which is kind of nifty. That always ends well. Because, <laughs> first of all, it always ends well. Second of all, this kind of explains partially their presence now in the cities with the transmogrification of void storage. So there's going to be a little bit of a tie-in with that there. Awesome. Next one, to Ravenholt. You have to speak to Morstraz of the Vermilion uh, Redoubt and fly to Ravenholt Manor. Um, there's an egg inside the Ravenholt Manor, um, so they can't actually go in through an all-out assault. You actually have to sneak in, get all the way through, infiltrate the compound, uh, and steal the egg. And the last one they talk about is to catch a thief. Once you've infiltrated Ravenholt Manor and locate the missing black dragon egg, um, basically you have to get inside without being seen, get out without being seen and avoid all combat because you can't risk smashing the egg. That's awesome. Okay. That's taking you all sorts of different places. Uh, it's integrating outside of the raid world with inside of the raid world, places that most people have kind of forgotten about and all sorts of manner of rogue skills that let's let's face it most of the new players don't get a chance to play around with or haven't really played with at all well see i'm not so much interested in the the pickpocketing and stealing stuff like that in terms of oh here's a skill that i rarely use as a rogue so much as here's an amazing quest line like i mean let's be honest freaking oh it's it's awesome fantastic quest line at the end of an expansion leading to the death of the boss for that expansion that's only for one class now if i was the type of player that didn't play any other class didn't have any alts or whatever i may be disappointed and say well that's not fair how come they get it and we don't but i mean anybody can 
start this at least you may not be able to finish it but i mean you just got to level up a rogue and then you can take part in this too and i like that i i would like to see more of that with other classes as well so that you know it was more specific to that class and see I mean, we got. They could have done that with the shamans and the druids recently, but they didn't. It was still everybody could could do it, and I think it would have been nice had they made it specific to those classes, separate little storylines as well. I think we're going to see more of that in the future, and I think this is going to be kind of the model of how they handle legendary weapons from now on, because it seems like a better way to go. Um, even the questing for Terragosa's, the, the Terragosa's rest, the staff. Um, it's very heavily story involved and a lot of gold goes into doing it. And there's a lot of questing that takes you all over the world, but you're right. It's very open. Anybody who can wield a staff can actually do it. My shaman can go do it. A warlock can go do it. So it's not really that specific, but this is a custom tailored quest line to the rogue class. And that's really awesome. Yeah. Very cool. It's kind of like uh rock Delar back in the day. And yes. how that's kind of, that's kind of the quest that everybody's been asking for ever since. When are we going to get more quest lines like that? You know, that was a very hunter quest. Ben Benediction, Rockladar, the 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 basically the class iconic quests that were in vanilla and were absolutely ridiculously hard and cool as shit to do. You're right. That's something that people have been asking for forever. And we're finally starting to get more of that back into the game. Like they said, they didn't know how to integrate uh, class-specific quests without alienating everybody or creating weird imbalances of leveling, congratulations, you've just found it. Cool. Now, to discuss the actual dagger. Now, if you're watching live, you can watch. <laughs> I'm showing it here. The dagger has three stages. As you progress through these quests and whatnot, it changes. So it starts off, and you have this kind of cool... I'm going to pause it there so you can look at it a little bit longer. It's not a bad-looking dagger. I mean... They just released all of the information in terms of all the weapons that are going to be coming out with that patch. And quite frankly, I was mad about most of them. And this is no different. When you're looking at the first stage of it, it's like, hmm, it's not bad, but it's uh, okay, whatever. And it's got this weird kind of funky looking closed eye thing in the middle. And it's like, okay, doesn't look bad. And then it changes. And then you've got this, albeit cooler at this point dagger that is got a lot more you can see the 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 um the, the the influences of course that you're seeing in a lot of the various weapons right now the the deathwing kind of metal and the sockets and different things and now the eye is partially open it's like a lazy eye it basically looks like and it's it almost looks like wrinkles because it's partial it, it is it's like your grandfather's <laughs> eye you know if your if your grandfather has a patch and he's his other eye is just kind of slowly opening while he's falling asleep that's it so it's like hmm not so cool then it gets better then you Quote. have freaking tentacle porn thing happening here with this weird ass looks like you're holding a freaking squid in your hand that has the eye is open and looking around the actually i'm going to actually play it here i am bouncing around i'll play it so folks can see the tentacles are going all over the place the eye is looking around the dagger really looks i'm sorry but it just does not look cool i'm not a fan of this big you know, three pixel stroke around all of the outside that makes it look like it was just kind of photoshopped. It looks terrible, terrible. I wouldn't want to tuck that into my belt. Well, depends oh, on if you're very lonely. You? 
Maybe in the back of your pants is where you that's my it. That's my one gripe about this tier of pretty much everything is that the random amounts of tentacles that seem to grace <laughs> everything. Oh, it's not um, random. <laughs> it, I, I understand that they may, you know, want to have their tentacle porn of yesteryear. But it's just it's one of those things where I just I, I don't like it. Oh, I really don't like it. This is hideous. I'm sorry. This is unbearably to the point where I was telling Vince, like, if if I ever do get this, I'm going to freaking transmogrify it. So it looks like something else. You should never have to transmogrify your legendary to look like something else. Well, we you are can't transmogrify you, your no, legendary. You, you, you can't. can't. You, I thought they were saying that you couldn't transmogrify another weapon to look like a legendary. <laughs> Not that you couldn't transmogrify your legendary to look like something else. I mean, you they probably... Listen, they played an, they paid an artist tens of dollars to design this. No, they did, they paid a child <laughs> a lot of ice cream to design this. It is tens hideous. of dollars. Now, my my biggest gripe about this, however, isn't the tentacles. It's not the lazy eye, not the big stroke stroke around everything, the hideousness of it all. No. My biggest gripe now is we found out that no, yes, you will get your bat wings, but you're not flying. It's not a flight form like initially was said. No, you're freaking coasting. All you're doing is you're gliding down. On use effect for this is basically a slow fall. That's it. That ticks me off and basically I've lost damn near all interest in this now I went from so unbelievably excited to now it's like eh, I guess maybe I could play my shaman now I like shaman <laughs> neither you I don't know it was actually kind of it was uh, kind of weird how that all played out I'll, I'll be kind of honest but I don't know it's still it's still pretty sweet to have a legendary and have it be that class specific so yes I think people are going to complain that much I just I uh, it's World of Warcraft. People will complain yes, about really. anything. This is me complaining right now. <laughs> okay, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. It is a shorter show. However, it was a very short news week. We basically didn't have a lot to talk about. So we're going to wrap it up, like I said. Make sure to check the show notes at For The Lore, and you can find us on Twitter at For The Lore, and, well, that's it. <laughs> Cue music. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, you cut out my Mortal Kombat segment because it sucks and it's stupid, dude. I would refuse to talk about that. I would have, I would have paid Roger money to edit that out. <laughs> Listen, just because you don't like the tentacle porn, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. So no feature, we'll survive. But let it be known that who was the first to punk out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So does that mean I get next week off? No, you still got to do something next week. Fuck. He gets a week off and I don't? That it's sucks. It's not a week off. He's a slack Oh, by the way, didn't do uh, it. The, the CBI one will be in your hands tomorrow. But that's why. Because I'm oh, getting him to do... What, what the hell was that? I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's a big poop. He's been gone a long time. Your ladder is very, very neurotic about washing his hands. I'm not saying you shouldn't wash. Or even wash thoroughly. You should. But it's been gone a few minutes now. You know what, dude? I still have not tried Minecraft. And everybody tell you keeps telling me. And uh, I, I still haven't tried it. I don't have time for that shit. <laughs> uh, sorry. 
<laughs> okay. It's going to be one of those nights. No. We were just having a discussion about what we thought you were doing. I'm sure one of you was right. Yes. Uh, Who guessed masturbation? Didn't guess it. <laughs> I drew pictures of it. <laughs> so you got the widescreen monitor then? I've got a little Wacom tablet. That was enough. <laughs> I've got too many other games I have to finish right now. Hell, I'm still working on Fairy Solitaire. <laughs> I, actually, I did today. <laughs> I did a couple hands. Then it's like, holy crap, when you've been playing for a while and you were sure you were dead and you win, it's like, yes! Take that, computer! <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. I've been loving it. And then I saw the video of the daggers. That shit's fucked up, man. <laughs> It is, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, even better than that, when you completely give up in a, in a battleground, I just kind of roam around and randomly sap horde. <laughs> just walk around, sap, <laughs> and keep walking. I won't keep grieving you. I might if I'm really bored, but otherwise I'll just, so it's like you're running and all of a sudden, stop. And it's like, I can just see them swearing. Where the hell is he? And I'll turn. Where is he? Where is he? I'll look around. I'll look back after I've con, and they're always like looking around. <laughs> and you can tell it's a new player when they actually move their character to look side to side. They don't actually use their mouse. Step. Yeah, they're shuffle, shuffle. Like, where is he? <laughs> it's right out of a cartoon, like a freaking Bugs Bunny thing. And uh, and then they all hit their AOE effects, and it's like, I'm gone, dudes. You're not gonna find. Me. <laughs> and then if they really piss me off, then I'm gonna actually be there for a while. And so were they. <laughs> dude why are you standing on the bridge i can't leave yeah i don't care about winning at that point i will make your life a living hell between my saps my blind i will keep you there for a while